This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. He says, a fanatic is anyone who loves Jesus more than you do. So I want to invite the other fanatic to the platform. Bill, would you come? Would you welcome him? We're, we're in, in, in my world, we're in an amazing season of of expansion and transition that God is, he's just doing amazing things. And, and I am so glad that you read that forward. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because it, it brought a gift into my life that my life needed to have. You know, God knows what you need and he knows when you need it and he knows who you need. And so when Bill came, um, I, I looked at Bill and I thought, Okay, he's a, he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> he's talented. And then, and then I met his wife. And, and what was so unique about that is that I have four sons who are all married interracially. And um, so all my daughter-in-laws are like you. Yeah. 
but my sons are like her. So, her, would you come, please? So that Lot to, lot to do today to get done, so Bill has given me a, a time slot. I love those kids. That was so cool. And incidentally, that little girl on the end, she's shorter than you. <laughs> she is. I mean, yeah. And she had it going. The, the guy next to her didn't know all the moves, but she did. So I, think, I think she was, <laughs> he was looking, so what do I do next? <laughs> But expansion is so much a part of the kingdom of God, and when you are involved in the kingdom, you're involved in expansion, and you're going to grow whether you like it or not. And so the key to growth in the kingdom is get small. I know that's an expression they use when you're smoking dope, isn't it? You wouldn't know. He, he would. <laughs> but getting small precedes growth, and so Jesus says, he says, to embrace the message of the kingdom, you must become like a child. You must become like a child. Some wise person said a long time ago, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. And there's this amazing thing about the church. If you can't find joy and delight in the church, then you're probably not in the church. You're probably somewhere else. But the expansion that's come into our lives has a lot to do with the kind of gifts that God has brought to our world. And uh, you've been such a big part of that. And as I said to the leaders uh, yesterday, I said, when you find creative people, you don't normally find in that same person administrative people. And when you find administrative people, you don't normally find creative people. And so when you find an administrative, creative person, that's kind of a rare gift. And... Um, and if you're only creative, maybe my tendency would be that, um, and you see somebody who's creative and administrative, you can either say, God, thank you, or you can say, oh, man. <laughs> and so uh, there are times when I'm, I'm grieved because Bill can put something together in a matter of minutes that would take me hours to do. But that's who he is. And I'm so glad that God brought him into my life so that it doesn't take me hours. But today, I want to, I just want to affirm the gift that God's placed in this city, not, not just in this, in this church, but he is part of what God's doing in the region and in the nation. And so I want to, I want to, this morning, I want us to pray over him. And I want uh, the leaders, if you'll just come and stand with us as we do this. All right, if you come quickly, please. Would you be open to kneeling? Yeah. <laughs> come on, each of you, if, you, if you'll come around. There's a, there's a picture of, um, that I, I have in my mind, and it's a picture that... Can we move this because it's blocking your view over there? You, ask, you guys can't see anything. Is it on wheels? Gotcha. 
I wasn't going to move it. I was just asking if we could. Great. I love it when big guys are. Yeah. I've heard for years people say that Saul was the people's choice and David was God's choice. And the reality is that Saul was as much God's choice as the people were. Saul's problem was that he, 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 was, he lacked follow through. And so when, when Samuel told him, in seven days I'll meet you and I want you to do this, Saul had been anointed for seven days and seven days after his anointing, uh, he disobeyed, and the consequence of his disobedience was he was disallowed to continue. And what Samuel said to him, had you obeyed, God would, would have established you and your family and your tribe. So we could be talking about King Saul. In the same moment he said that, he said, but God has found someone who is a man after his own heart. Your neighbor. In the same moment that Saul was disallowed, God was pointing out in David. So you remember this story. Samuel comes to Jesse's house and he can't see, he can't see the person that God's anointed. He's looking at all of them and he says, okay. Surely the Lord's anointed before me. And, and God says, mm-mm. And then he sees the next son. God says, nah, mm-mm, nah, nah. And so he's, Samuel's frustrated. And he says, well, we're, we're, he, says, he says, do you have another son? He says, yes, but um, you can't hear me? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just using the same microphone. Can you use the, uh, the monitors? She says I mumble, but actually, <laughs> I said, honey, I'm not mumbling, I'm talking, but it sounds like mumbling to you. How about that? Can you hear now, darling? It's better. Is it better? More? More monitor. <laughs> All right, I got to go ahead because Bill's giving me a time. I got I to gotta keep on. Yeah. This will be the quickest message I've ever preached. <laughs> um, but... I'm mandated. So the, the thing was, when he finally sees, he says, okay, I'm supposed to anoint somebody, but I don't see anybody to anoint. I don't have anything in me that says, and he says, do you have any other kids? And he says, yeah, I got, he says, I got, you know, we got another kid. He's, where is he? I don't know. He's somewhere in the, out in the field. He's, he's a musician. And he says, bring him. So he comes in, David comes in, and Samuel says, ah, you're the guy. And the Bible says he anoints him with a horn of oil, a horn. And David is anointed in the midst of his brothers. And then his second anointing comes when, after Saul's death, he's anointed in his tribe, the tribe of Judah, in the midst of his family. His third anointing was a national anointing. And the scripture says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they gathered. There's something about anointing that either repels or retracts. And, and what happens is that 
when God anoints you for a task, the enemy looks at that and he says, you know what? He killed, he killed a giant, a bear, and a lion just with a tribal anointing. We got to do something about it. I want you to hear this, that there is, there is an anointing that's resting upon him. And that anointing affects you in many ways. And your ability to relate to the anointing that God, God's entrusted to him also has a whole lot to do with your destiny. And so you, you can't just be here as an observer. You're here because God gave you something to add and God gave him something for you. This whole team has something for you. There's an apostolic anointing upon him. It's a prophetic anointing upon him. There is a psalmist anointing upon him. And it's an amazing gift to see all of those wrapped up in one person. When God does that, there's something peculiar that he's doing. And then there's a moment when, after all of the, all the nation recognizes him, they begin to gather. And the Bible says they came together with all of their resources, all of their gifts, to make David king. God wants to do something in this city. And you're part of it. And you didn't know you were part of it. But you got here and you just said, I like it here. Say that, I like it here. Say, I like it right here. The problem is right here isn't going to be all right here. There's more to come. And so I want us to pray over him. And I want you to stand as we're praying over him. Pastor Barbie, you have a word? Yes. Um, I didn't know we were going to be praying for Bill this morning. That's but... because when I said it, I was mumbling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did say the name. But uh, last week, um, I was at home and the Lord spoke to me. And this is what he said. He said, he's accelerating your next move. I'm talking about location. I'm talking about your position. But he's bringing you into a large place, you and all of your team. But he wants you to know that when you thought it was going to be, it's going to be sooner than that. <laughs> and that he's already made the provision and he's going to send a person directly to you to give you specific instructions about the next move. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a man of God and there's going to be finances attached to what he's going to say to you. So God is saying Get prepared. Because it's going to be sooner than you think. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for Bill and for his leadership. And for this team that you've set apart in this house. Hallelujah. This city will never be the same. Because of the, the deposit that's going to come from this house. We praise you and thank you for a job well done through him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Would you just put your hands down, Brian? Just come around, please. I don't need you to pray. Just want you to put this hand. Come on, Father, we just thank you and we praise you. Thank you, Father. For these hands are given to serve. For the sacrifices that Pastor Bill and his family has done. And Father, I just thank you for what you're doing. And the Lord says to you, my son, that today, not only are you getting a new mantle, but I've given you a new sword. And I've given you a fresh staff. And in that staff, as you extend it, you will see things move in the miraculous. And you will see the impossible happen. And you will be known as a family, a family that brings in the miraculous. And I say to you, my son, that you will remember this day, the day before your birthday. For today I am birthing something brand new in you. Something that you've been pregnant with, something that had been conceived over 12 years ago, and today is a day of the birthing. And I say to you, my son, as it is birth, it will not be premature. As it is birth, it is a full anointing. And I say to you, my son, that even the government of the state will recognize the anointing, the authority that I have given you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, as a father, I release the father heart, that growing father heart that will give him capacity to father fathers, to be a man who will stand in this city and restore broken people. I thank you that you will do amazing things in this season of his life. Yes. Dreams that he's had and have forgotten. Yes. There will come a moment when yes. he will see it and he will say, I saw that a long time ago. Yes. And even now, God, I pray that you'll propel yes. Yes. and impel. Yes. Move him in this yes. season with yes. speed and alacrity yes. and with intentionality. Intentionality. Yes. yes. God's up to something good in you and in this house, and we celebrate it. Now, Father, we just release that that gift, that apostolic gift, that grace, that apostolic grace, that favor, that apostolic favor, in Jesus' name. And everyone say, I receive this. I receive this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Righty. Now you get to preach. I love you, Billy. <laughs> I don't worship you, but uh, I think you, you're a good, good son. Hallelujah. Happy birthday. Yeah. And stuff. <laughs>
it. I could look at somebody and say, he can do this. He can do this. So he'd say he's never done it before, but <laughs> he can do this. Rob, did you say you were raised on a farm? Yeah, he's raised on a farm. I was thinking about this farmer who had been farming for about 40 years, and he said, I'm tired of farming. He said, he said I think I'm going to go into to the medical profession. And he said, I'm going to be a doctor. So he put a sign up, Dr. Geezer. I can fix, I can fix anything for 500 bucks. And the local doctor was offended by that, so he came to him and he said, he said, can you help me? He says, what's your problem? He says, I've lost a taste in my mouth. And he says, I can't taste anything. And he said to the nurse, he says, would you look in the drawer, top drawer, and bring me vial number three. And so he brought vial number three, and she said, put a drop on his tongue. And he, she did, and he said, this is gasoline. He says, you got your taste back. Um, <laughs> that would be 500 bucks. So he couldn't believe that he had been suckered like that. So he mulled over that for a few moments, and he said, uh, two weeks later, he came back. He says, I don't see well. He says, he says I can't do anything about sight. So he gave him his 500 bucks back. And he said, but counted and he, so he counted it and he says this is only 400 bucks he says so you got your sight back and um, look you, you can't outsmart old people and you just need to know that that older people are hard to outsmart and the, the really neat thing about what I see taking place here is how how many young people and older people there are no old people here we're just older than you been around for a long time but uh, the generations that God is raising up, he intended for one generation to declare to the next the glory of God. You can't be the church with only one generation. So there's this multiple generation, and I love so much the culture and, uh, and what God is doing here. You are part of something amazing. We get to see amazing things in the world, and uh, this is one of those things that I'm telling you. It's amazing. You're part of that. If you don't know what you have, just let me tell you. This is good. So I want to talk about the church, the nine unchanging principles of a breakthrough church, your breakthrough church. And I want to define breakthrough. Breakthrough is an offensive thrust that penetrates and carries beyond a defensive line in warfare. In other words, you haven't broken through just because you break through the, the first line. You've broken through when you break through everything and you go to the end of the whole array. You break through in football. A real breakthrough in football is when you break through the line and you make a touchdown. Say, we're a breakthrough church. Say that again. We're a breakthrough church. So let me just tell you what a breakthrough church looks like. Until the day of Pentecost, 
Did you know you can't see when these lights are shining in your face? Did you, did you know that? Okay, I'm, I was just wondering, just because I'm trying to see that, that thing. Yeah, you see me, but I can't see that clock. And, I, and that's what I'm depending on right now. So, uh, where was I? No, I said, no I'm, I'm saying where was I, not where were you. Um, a breakthrough church, number one, is a place of great praise. Would you say that? It's a place of great praise. On the day of Pentecost, it was as though God says, I'm setting something in motion. Everything that I have been doing, I've been building toward this moment. And that moment became a moment of release. In that moment of release, the scriptures came together, the prophetic word came together. Things began to sum themselves up. And as they looked around, they saw things taking place. And one of the wonderful things about being in God, and we were talking about it yesterday, that there's some things that you can't see until you are in the moment. You can read about it, you can think about it, but it's only when you are in the moment of the revelation or the unveiling of that thing that you say, oh my, yeah, okay, that's what that is. See, and a lot of people want, they, they want what God has, but they want to examine it from afar. And you can't examine some things from afar. Some things you just have to get up close. You have to taste and see that the Lord is good. You can't evaluate someone else's experience. You just say, why is he doing that? What's going on with him? Why is he on the floor? Why are they worshiping? Why is he singing like that? When brothers started singing, you remember the phrase, what was the first phrase he sang? Come on. So he was saying, if it had not been for the Lord, now, I know that song. And I know what follows is, who was born He didn't sing that other part. He just kept singing, if it had not been for the Lord. If it had not been. I mean, about four or five times I'm saying, did he forget the rest of it? <laughs> no. It was like, you need to be open to the fact that what you are accustomed to as normal may be a little bit different because the first thing that you're hearing is if it had not been for the Lord. Anybody can say that, but when somebody keeps saying it to you, all of a sudden you start thinking, yeah. And then you have, all of a sudden you're beginning to think of things in your life if it had not been for the Lord. No. He could have just sang that first line and just went on off and you would never had an opportunity to think about what God had done for you and how many times he'd done it for you and how often he's done it for you and how many more times he's going to do it for you. Somebody say, if it had not been. So this, there's this summation where I, I look at God and I say, God, what were you doing? And he says, I was doing something. I was taking praise and prophecy and worship and excitement and gathering so that when I brought it all together and I, and I knew you couldn't do it without my Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, Holy Ghost comes and the church starts to move and it gets on down the road. And the exciting thing is that people in the church in those days, they didn't know that God had more in mind than they had in mind. 
They were excited about what was going on, but all of a sudden, other people started coming to them, joining them, and becoming a part of that. And it didn't just happen in, in the New Testament, it happened in the Old Testament. And the church is a place of great praise. We've talked about the restoration of the tabernacle of David. You can't have the restoration of the tabernacle of David without praise, without intercession, without miracles, without all-night prayer. I'm looking for a few more amens. <laughs> Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Say it's a place of great praise. Say it please. It's a place of great praise. A breakthrough church is a place of great praise. Would you say that please? Listen to these phrases. Luke 24, 50. They were continually in the temple praising God. They were continually in the temple praising God. That if you have a whole lot more to do than praising God, then you won't be a part of a great church. And we are so involved, and, we are, and I'm not complaining, and I'm not being critical, but there will come a moment in your life when you will realize that there are some things that aren't as important as seeking the Lord. Clarence, I need you to do your job, okay? All right. Yes, amen. Amen, all right, thank you. I pay him to do that, so he's over there messing with the keyboard. Uh, Acts 2.47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. Luke 19, as soon as he was approaching, they began praising God joyfully with a loud voice. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. When I was growing up in the church, I, I, that scripture was different for me. I was mad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord, because it wasn't a place of great praise. I mean, you, just, you were there. It was long. You had to have food with you. You, um, you did. You, that's why people ate in church, because... <laughs> Just the thought of going to church and being there. And I remember one time that I knew service was going to last a long time, and so I went to Molly's. That was a confection store right up the street from our church. And I loaded up with some peanuts and stuff like that. I put them all in my pocket. And that was the day that the Holy Spirit hit me. Bam. And when people tell you the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, I say, nay, nay. nay, nay. Not a gentleman at all. And I, I tried to escape, and I couldn't. And he, he hit me, and I was in the floor, and I was rolling on the floor, and I was saying, no, stop, no, stop. And the, all the peanuts were going out of my pocket, and they were just, they were spreading all over the place. And I just said, so when I hear charismatics and evangelicals say, oh, Mr. Gentleman, he won't do anything to you. And I said, you were not raised in my church. <laughs> but when he got done with me, I was glad. He helped me. It's a place of great praise. Secondly, it's a place of great presence. I don't know if you understand that, that when people haven't experienced the presence of God and they come into a place where what you recognize and what is normal for you, they will walk in and they will, and they'll ask questions like, what is this I feel? Or they will start to cry and they will say, why am I crying? 
Why am I crying? And you, and you want to explain to them, but you don't need to explain. Just let them have the moment. Don't try to, don't try to demystify it. Let them have mystery. Just let them have a moment. They'll say, well, this is God. And whenever you come in here, you see all these handkerchiefs and these boxes that we have around? No, just let them enjoy it. Let them enjoy it. I tell people, don't interfere with what the Holy Spirit's doing. There are some moments in my life when the Holy Spirit has just come upon me, and I'm just standing in the front of the church, and I'm crying, and, and, um, and this, this hawker is hanging out of my nose. <laughs> It's just, it's, and 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 somebody somebody grabs a handkerchief and hands it to me, and I get frustrated because it's not bothering me. <laughs> but what you're doing is you're interfering with my moment. Here, wipe your face, wipe your face. I don't want to wipe my face. I can do that after. I want all that God is doing in my life in this moment, and I don't want you to disturb my moment. When presence comes. Presence will encounter you. Presence will do something for you that nothing else will do. You can have a moment in God, and God can do in a moment in his presence what could never have happened on the couch of a psychiatrist. I love his presence. And we are equipped to be people of the presence. It's a place of great presence. There will be people here, there are people in our church, and I know there's some folks here, the moment you walked in, to the church, you said, home. This is home. I don't know anything about these people, but I know it's where we belong. Presence validates who you are. It validates what God's doing. And there are moments that the Bible calls times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. I love the idea that you can have a moment in God. You can be so open to God. You've got your your program, your outline, your song list and all of that stuff, but one song can change everything. And if you don't understand how that works, you can be frustrated because they didn't get to your song. But they got to the one the Holy Ghost liked. And he says, you know, I can get something out of that. Hosanna to Jehovah You are the air that I breathe Hallelujah. And something in you says, I hope he sings that one more time. And then one more time. But if you, if you haven't been in there, and you know, it's a verse and a chorus, a verse and a chorus, chorus, key change, chorus one more time. Go to the next song. But what if the Holy Ghost says, I'm using this song right now, so stay right there. Stay, look at somebody say, there are moments when I want to stay right there. Why did they change? Why did they change? Why, why did they keep on singing that song? Because we've got a list. And that list is important to us. Now, if the list is more important to, the, than, to you than the present, then you can't get to those times of refreshing that are dispensed from the Holy, the Holy Spirit's presence because he's looking for the song that's going to change the atmosphere. And he'll let you choose all the songs you want. And then he'll use the one that he wants. And it's when we recognize that's the song. Is that the song? Yeah, it's the song. Have you been in a, in a moment and you, in you, you knew that was the song and you're hoping, God, don't let him change this one. Don't let him change this one. It's like being in that old, that old restaurant, you know, where you hit that little button on the 
the thing sitting next to you, you know, where you could change songs and pick songs, and then before you hit the button, somebody hits the button and it's yours, and you're saying, they're playing my song. (laughs) So it's a place of great presence. It's a place of great prayer. Here's a verse that most people don't realize is in the Bible. Here's the part that we quote. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. It was years before I knew this part of the verse. Even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Make them joy. I've never thought of a prayer meeting as a place of joy. God, how long is this going to last? I want to be joyful in the house of prayer. I want, I want to be in God's presence. And God, this is so good, so exciting. Ooh, Jesus. And then later on, you look and you say, where did the time go? Because when you were in his presence, one day, you said it last week, one day in his courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. Say to your friend, I've got tickets to a football game. Would you like to go? They'll say yes. You say, I'm going to church. Would you like to go? And they'll say, how long is it going to last? (laughs) Nobody asks how long a football game is going to last. Why? Because you have fun at a football game. You should have delight in the presence of God so that somebody look at you, man, this is better than a football game. Yes. A place of great prayer. They were continually in the temple praising God. They were continually devoting themselves to apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. There are things that won't happen in this house until what you do continuously has a breakthrough into the pattern. Because if you don't have an hour of prayer, you're not going to find many people showing up. But it was at the hour of prayer that they had the miracle that the Pharisees said, this is a notable miracle. God is waiting for us to have moments that we are committed to on a regular basis in which he can break through and change the city. They saw him sitting there. And this is my suspicion, that everybody that needed prayer, Jesus didn't pray for all of them. And this man was sitting at the door of the temple. And Peter saw him and he said, he says, we don't have silver and gold. Come on, get up. And the guy took a little while. People grabbed him by the hand. And he went running and leaping and praising God. Anybody been around the church long enough to remember that song? He went running and leaping and praising. But he did it in the temple. And that's that's what shocked everybody. And when they found out who it was that was running... And quite possibly Jesus passed him by during his lifetime of ministry. And here he is. (laughs) (laughs) When they had prayed. (laughs) Can you get that? Can you hit that sound again? He didn't hear it. He can't hear back there. She couldn't hear up here. Um, 
something's wrong. <laughs> it, it, was the, it was the broccoli. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have several more points, but I have three more minutes. <laughs> a breakthrough church is a place of great preaching. It's a place of great preaching. You have a great preacher here. Normally, great preachers, when they become famous, they will find people appealing to them, asking, say, do you want to come? We've got a big church, a lot of people ready for it. And you have to understand that there are folk who will appreciate great preaching, but not great preachers. Great preaching, but not great living. And they simply want somebody who can say it and do it and then let them run the church. Great preaching isn't designed just to entertain you. It's designed to motivate you. And so on the day of Pentecost, Peter's preaching, and when he gets done, the Holy Spirit has worked in that, and he's saying to them, their response is, okay, man, what, what, what can we do? What can we do? And, and he tells them what they need to do. They were speaking to the people. And there are moments in life when great preaching requires... It requires a commitment to the preaching of the word. And it's, it requires a commitment to preaching in such a way that even if people don't like it, you preach it anyway. You tell the word. You, and what you need and what I need is to come into the church and just simply say, God, I need something from you. I need the word. I need you to, I need you to speak to my heart. There's a preacher who would he joined a, actually he'd been called to minister at another church and so and the people were complaining a little bit about about his preaching style and so um, one of the guys in the church was a butcher and he said to the preacher, he says, he said come by my, he says come by my store I want, I want to bless you and he says sure and so he came by he's looking at all this stuff and uh, he says I don't know what to ask for he says um, he says he was just choosing. He says, I tell you what, just give me what you think I need. And so when he went home, he opened his package, and in it was a tongue and, and a backbone. <laughs> he was trying to tell them, you lack authority in your message, and you lack strength in your message. And you need to be the kind of people that say, we want the truth, even if the truth hurts. Once a year, and we haven't had it this year yet, but once a year, I will come to my wife and I'll say to her, is there anything that you've been wanting to share with me that I haven't made room for you to share? I only do it once a year because... <laughs> <laughs> Because I haven't got time for the pain. Just... But I need the truth. I just, I need the truth. And so I don't know why it works that way. Maybe it's my timing. Maybe it's hers. But I'll say, is there anything that you have that I've, 
he wanted to share with me, but you just said, God, I need you to give me, if you want me to share this with Joseph, let him open the door. And so I'll come because I've been evaluating myself. I have my own, my own scheme of things where I say, okay, you're doing good here, you're doing good here, you gave her a, this really great ring for her birthday, and then you gave her these bracelets and said, you're in good shape, go ask her. Because <laughs> your gift will make room for you, you know what I'm saying? So I go to her and I'll just say, honey, is there anything uh, that I have failed to give you room to? And she'll say, that's the first thing, you know you're in trouble when she says. <laughs> and then she starts. And then when she starts, I just say, why did I ask that question? But I needed the truth. Because it's only the truth that will set you free. You don't want feel-good messages. Feel-good messages are great when you need them, but what you need the most is the truth. Yes. Just look over at these preachers and just say, we want the truth. We want the truth. Great preaching requires people who are committed to the truth. It's a place of great power and faith. It's a place of great provision. It's a place of great pastoral care. It's a place of great and happy people. I want you to stand with me. Um, the message translation, Psalm 126, is a great place to end right here. Bill, I'm about two minutes over. Uh, Psalm 126. Look at somebody and say, I wish he had had time for this other. <laughs> Come back into the second service and we'll make it happen. Watch it online. All right, are we there? Psalm 126. The message translations, it says, oh, I love it. Here it is right there. All right, this is your declaration. Come on, read it right out loud. Use your outside voice. They seem like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned the Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nation. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy. Now we missed something. We missed God was one. We are one happy people. Verse 4 says, verse 4 says, come on. Where is verse 4? All right, there it is. All right, here we go. And now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so those who planted their crops in despair with shouts of hurrahs at the harvest, so those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. Go ahead. This is a happy house. Yeah.